Hey, Yakshamash, everybody. This is Jake Okorowski from the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hope you guys are going to enjoy this week's episode. I'm putting this up a little late. We recorded with Tex Western on Thursday night. And of course, as I'm about ready to put this all together yesterday, some news hits. So you're going to hear some great stuff from Tex from Acme Packing Company along with the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski. But uh, just to go through real quick what's happened since we recorded on Thursday night. First off, let's start really early today, right? So you talk about that Ian Rappaport. I'm talking on Saturday morning uh, per Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Basically, the Packers asked permission from the Seahawks to interview John Schneider, former Packers exec, uh, for the GM job. But Seattle did not request. Now, basically, that just means sounds like maybe a trade would have to go through for that to happen for for Schneider to come back and everyone we talk about in the episode about how that possible trade clause with Schneider could affect uh you know him coming back and, and reuniting in Green Bay so uh hold on to that thought there we'll see what comes of it but it looks like again like some I'll talk more about this right now with the exterior the former Packer candidates are now externally uh, at different NFL organizations like Reggie McKenzie per Sports Illustrated's Jim Trotter. He's turned down the offered interview uh, for the Packers GM job. Why? Because it sounds like he's going to maintain his role as general manager with personnel control, even with John Gruden coming back. Uh, and uh, by the way, if you need a good tracker, check out acmepackingcompany.com with Tex and his gang. Uh, they have great breakdowns uh, and they've kept everyone up to date so far. Uh, then also, uh, you talk about uh, Eric uh, DaCosta. Uh, they wanted to interview the Packers, did uh, the assistant GM for the Baltimore Ravens. That was according to Pro Football Talk. And, you know, it is, uh, they want to interview him, so we'll see uh, what will happen there. Uh, but also, another report came out that uh, another external candidate, not from the Packers coaching tree, it looked like, uh, Vikings assistant GM George Patton. It was Packers reportedly requested to interview him, and they were denied, uh, which is seems to make sense because it is the Vikings, and why try to give one of your best to a rival in the division? Uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, there's that Bob McGinn report, BobMcGinnFootball.com. There was that report that Russ Ball uh, was the leader for the GM job, uh, <clears throat> but there's also some interesting talks about how. Uh, Brian Gutekunst uh, would likely stay uh, as the kind of the, the as, as Acme Packing Company points out the head personnel executive. Uh, but also there's talking about how Mike McCarthy, the relationship between Ball, Russ Ball, and Mike McCarthy is off. So as I say, uh, you know, like uh, we'll see what comes of it, uh, and, and you'll see all these reports. But for now, uh, let's get to the show. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Texas and an Acme Packing Company have been a great resource, keeping you up to date for all Packers news and notes. And I mean, that was just the GM search. So now, when you look at, you know, I said talking about that was just the GM stuff, right? Looking at what reportedly is being uh, done on the coaching end, uh, according to Alex Marvez of Sporting News, it sounds like Packers have found their wide receivers coach and Jim Hostler. Um, and then that's you know then also uh, according to Tom Silverstein looks like Edgar Bennett former OC former wide receivers coach will now will not be you know he'll move on to another team uh, so best of luck to Edgar former Packers running back obviously uh, former coordinator and then 
also, Ian Rappaport's been going back and forth on stuff where it's been, uh, or not back and forth, but uh, Lions denied the Packers' uh, ability to interview uh, Terrell Austin uh, for their defensive coordinator position. And it's pretty insane. And then on top of that, uh, you know, Winston Moss back on Thursday. We didn't get a chance to, I don't think we get chucked with text about this. The Lions uh, interviewed Winston Moss, the defensive assistant coach. So, yeah, tons of stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. Nothing me talking. Welcome to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Uh, for some news analysis, we got a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, John Budmeyer named, you know, Wisconsin Badgers quarterbacks coach. Uh, Drew Ham has his big roast up, which is always a delight to, to read when he makes fun of Michigan, uh, which he does in this uh, edition of the uh, of the big roast. Uh, and also we talk about, uh, you'll see some offense, defense previews for 2018 for the football team, along with some of my basketball coverage, which I'm still getting used to, uh, but we're uh, having some fun with that. But... What we're going to do, we got the Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski here. We got the Acme Packing Company's Tex Western here on today's show. What we're going to do, and just giving you guys a little bit of a, a headline, a little bit, or not a headline, a little bit more of an update. We're going to break this uh, this week's episode up probably into a couple different random episodes. We're talking, obviously, we have Tex on, and though he is a great Wisconsin alum, uh, we are going to break down uh, the Green Bay Packers. He is the managing editor for Acme Packing Company. So we are going to talk with him uh, about the Packers, and then you'll see another episode down the road, uh, hopefully this weekend or another time uh, early next week, talking on some Badgers, do a Badgers review, uh, and then go from there uh, and just figure out the new format. But, Scotty, first off, how you doing? And Tex, how are you doing? I'm I'm great. I'm great. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I've so been, uh, I, it's been it's been a hell of a week though for for us in Packerland. So uh, I'm I'm trying to trying to stay sane and, and trying to stay awake over here with all the with their head spinning. And, and Tex, interestingly enough, a couple weeks ago uh, after the Packers lost to Carolina, you were probably thinking, oh, it's going to be quite a couple weeks. Obviously, <laughs> that changed pretty rapidly. Um, on on uh, Black Monday, as they like to call it, uh, a couple things. I kind of want to get into it right right out of the gate because um, there's a lot to cover, and, and obviously we want to be respectful of your time. Again, it's been a busy week for you. But so last year at the end of the year, I had heard some rumblings um, from some of my my friends and former colleagues who still cover the the Packers that there was some thought, maybe a forty percent chance that Ted Thompson was going to resign at the end of last year. Okay, that didn't happen. Went through another year. Now this year, uh, the stuff we expected to happen happened. Dom Capers that had been reported for a while. Then the news broke midday, uh, later in the afternoon on Monday, and immediate speculation. You know, obviously there's been some talk about his health. I don't want to get into that, and that's not any of our business. I guess my first question though is how much of this was precipitated by some of the off the field things or maybe a need for Ted Thompson to spend more time with his family and step into a different role and how much of it was on field performance or a, a lack of them making the playoffs. This year? Yeah, I think there's, um, 
I don't know. I don't know that we really have answers about that. That's the that's kind of the crazy thing is uh, Mark Murphy, the the team president, was talking um, I think Tuesday about the decision, and you know it's it sounded like it was something that's been kind of discussed uh, between him himself and Thompson um, over the course of of most of this football season, and maybe even you know over the the course of the last year. Um, ultimately, Murphy did did say that it was his decision to to make the move now, as opposed to you know maybe waiting until next year when Ted's contract was up. Um, and and maybe part of that was was spurred by not kind of not wanting Ted to be in kind of a lame duck year as a GM. Um, but but yeah, I mean there there's like you said the there's there's all the health speculation and 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 that's all you know I, I don't I don't want to get into that either. So it's it's just it's an interesting timing that it would come uh, on the heels of such a disappointing season. Um, and I I, I, I tend to be uh, have the belief that that this was something that's been been building for a while, and they just determined that. Um, that coming off the heels of, of this kind of season, um, with some knowing that there's going to be some other changes in the organization, that it's the right time to to, to do it and just have all those changes take place at once. And, you know, text, now, text the, the one. Go ahead, Scotty. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I just wanted to just follow up on that. And the one thing is, I wasn't one who was clamoring for Ted Thompson to be shown the door. I guess in my opinion, yeah. though, if it were going to happen, I would have preferred it last year because John, to me, John Dorsey was the guy who wanted to run this organization. However. Mm-hmm. That being said, when you look at the, the postscript of Ted Thompson's career, as much as Pac, you know, you'd love Pac fans or Packer fans can drive you nuts, I think that, that recently Packer fans are somewhat diminishing the career that Ted Thompson had because, you know, maybe the last few years weren't his best years, but he did a lot of great things, A, built a roster that was deep enough to get the new Super Bowl, even though they were the most injured team in the NFL that year. Also drafted Aaron Rodgers, and you got to give him some credit for that. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at the whole picture, was Ted Thompson a success, a failure, or somewhere in between through his career as a Green Bay Packer general manager? That's a very easy question for me to answer, and and it's that he is he was a success. Um, you look at the state of the franchise where they were in, you know, going into the 2005 season. Um, they they had had Mike Sherman as the coach and GM for the last four or five years since since Ron Wolf had stepped down. Um, they were gearing up to be in salary cap hell with a bunch of um, you know big albatross contracts. Uh, Thompson came in, he cleaned house. Um, there were two bad years, and then. Two years later, in 2007, they're in the NFC Championship game. And three years after that, after going through a quarterback change and, um, you know, Ted, Ted having the prescience to, to move on from, from Brett Favre and put his trust in Aaron Rodgers, they won the Super Bowl. So there, there's the, the way that he turned this organization around, um, put them on the track to terrific stability and, and being in the running um, you know, for, for making Super Bowls every year. I, I, I understand that they haven't made a Super Bowl since 2010, but um, the, 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 the turnaround that he orchestrated in this organization cannot be overstated as far as I'm concerned. We're here with Tex Western here. 
uh, on uh, Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, which is brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And, of course, Tex, uh, he, Tex contributed a, the, the, the ballad of Three Sack Jack <laughs> on Bucky's Fifth Quarter, our, his tribute to Jack Sitchy, who just, by the way, according to Tom Oates, who, through Sitchy's agent, Ron Slavin, is going to the NFL Scouting Combine. We will not talk about the, the Combine today. That will be probably in a couple of, definitely, uh, I'd say mid-February uh, to talk about that. But Tex is obviously the managing editor at yeah. Acme Packing Company. And you know, let's look at his replacements, right? Let's talk about Russ Ball. Let's talk about uh, Elliot Wolf. Let's talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, Gunkunst, which I hope I pronounced right uh, <laughs> on that. Uh, Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, uh, you know, some possible outsiders, Reggie McKenzie with the John Gruden talk. I know there've been talks mm-hmm. about but Pete Doherty had a, had something in his column there. Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel thinks the name is it, Ball's name is written all over this GM part with with Thompson stepping aside and, and being more it looks like the scout the scouting guy, which is what he is good at anyways. Uh, or, or you see a guy like can can John Schneider come back? Uh, obviously with his contract with Seattle being. It sounds like there's not that out clause that can just let him go if he if he goes to Green Bay now. So right. I, I mean, who who do you think's in the, the leader? I know that Elliot Wolf and uh, you know I know for sure Wolf interviewed recently. I think it was either today or yesterday, according mm-hmm. to reports. What who do you think leads for this? And in your opinion, who do you think can become or who will become the next Green Bay Packers general manager? Well, you, you mentioned that all the reports are kind of pointing towards Russ Ball as as being the the likeliest candidate at this point, um, and and what he's done as far as the financial arm of the front office is is second to none. I mean, it's it's terrific how he's been able to manage the salary cap um, in, in this day and age to to construct contracts and, and really be kind of a pioneer in the way that some of these contracts are structured now uh, to protect the team. You know, with with active roster bonuses and workout bonuses and things um, and, and, and keeping cap hits uh, at manageable levels for some of these long-term deals. You know, he's certainly a, a great, um, he's got a great mind for the numbers side of things. And by all accounts, he's, he's a terrific person and a terrific negotiator because um, you get the feeling that he, he actually listens. Um, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm concerned with, the, the idea of having someone who doesn't come from a scouting background as your, your general manager. Um, you, you need to, if you're going to do it that way, you're going to need to surround that person with a, a, a strong group of scouts um, who are going to, going to feed him that information. Um, but then the, the trouble is, you know, deciding between all, all this, you know, making these decisions um, in terms of the, the personal evaluation and going through all those scouting reports and ranking those and setting up a draft board. Um, so if Ball's the guy, I certainly think Thompson's going to remain a close advisor in terms of, of that sort of thing. Um, but if something happens to Ted and, and there's shakeup on the scouting staff, you know, then then that person doesn't have their own scouting acumen necessarily to, to fall back on as, as strongly as if you would have a guy like Elliot Wolf or Gutekunst who, who came up as scouts um, um, doing that job. So if you were asking me who, who I want to get the job um, – I think for continue, continuity's sake, I'd, I'd like to see either Wolf or Goodikens be the guy. I don't know that I have a strong opinion one way or the other on which one, um, but I think one of those two with, with Ball remaining in his job as uh, as the cap guy I think would be the ideal scenario. Um, 
I, I think just based on what we know now, I think it's it's safe to to run with the reports that say Ball is the the front runner though, and um, and then just kind of wait to see if one of these other guys just totally blows it out of the water in his interviews and um, and gives Murphy no choice but to hire them. So Tex, I, I also obviously follow the same reports and. And hearing that Russ Ball is the front runner, we've heard all the other names within the organization. So, but we've also seen other situations where the front runner doesn't always get the job. So maybe if here's here's a better way to ask that question. Aside from the names that we've heard from inside the organization, is there a dark horse candidate? Now, there, it could be a five percent chance or a ten percent chance, but is there somebody out there that's being talked about behind the scenes that maybe? Uh, the public and the media aren't touting as as one of the front runners. Yeah, I think the the my favorite guy outside of the organization is McKenzie, and you mentioned him with the whole John Gruden situation going on. Um, I, I think there's a real legitimate possibility that he could end up getting that job, and and part of it is is you look at what he did with uh, with Oakland salary cap. I mean, they were. They were in a complete mess of a situation when he got there, and um, much like Thompson did, he he cut a lot of fat off that roster. He built it through the draft, and uh, and that's even though they had a down year this year, that's a, a competitive team on the rise, I think. And um, and I definitely could see him wanting out of Oakland if uh, if Gruden does have you know some some substantial level of control over the personnel. The other name that's popped up that that surprised me that. Um, that I've been hearing just a little bit of rumblings about is actually Doug Whaley, who was the GM uh, for the Buffalo Bills up until just after the draft this year. They had that weird kind of shakeup of, of their front office right after the draft wrapped up. Um, and I did see one, one report that he's uh, at least getting some level of consideration uh, for the Green Bay job. I'd be shocked if it happens, but um, it's just interesting to see, see his name pop up as well. Let me ask you this, too, Tex, as you talk about, okay, we know that they're going to be, there's a change of general managers. Coaching staff has been gutted. Mike McCarthy remains. Now, looking at the long-term future of Mike McCarthy, um, what is the likelihood beyond the, the next year or beyond two years from now, which is what his extension is signed for, that he remains with the organization, and who would be more likely to retain him as coach if they became general managers? Well, I think his at this point, I think it's a coin flip as to whether or not he's coaching in 2019. Um, there was the, the report just came out this week that sometime during the season he got that extra year on his contract, so now he's signed for two, you know, for two more years. But you bring in a new GM. Um, I, I could see this being very much again a Mike Sherman situation, who who had the same the same deal. He had two years on his contract. Um, Ted fired him after one year and hired Mike McCarthy. I think you could have very much the same type of thing happen in this case if um, if either it isn't a great fit um, or you know if for some reason the um, you know the, the Packers have a repeat of this year and and miss the playoffs and, and look disappointing again. Um, that whole situation is is a little strange because Murphy said that the GM is going to have the power to hire and fire the head coach, but then he also said that um, McCarthy is going to have some some level of input as to the GM decisions. So that that really doesn't doesn't jive. Right. Um, so so I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what to make of that, but. Um, if it, if uh, it would be foolish if I'm if uh, to me at least to not give the the new GM 
that that free reign to to do what he needs to do at the head coaching position. And for that reason, um, yeah, I think I think McCarthy's still coaching for his job in 2018, regardless. Tex Western for Mackie Packing Company. Again, follow him on Twitter at Tex Western. And you know, Tex is a you know we we talk about McCarthy, but no, you know, talk about the coaching staff. They uh, the changes on defense. The uh, and I finally came around to it this year. The needing, them needing to make a change at defensive coordinator with Don Capers, two others. Uh, you know gone uh, on that side offensive coordinator Edgar Bennett's out as OC uh, but may stay on according to what Mike McCarthy said uh, in his press conference today about you know possibly an, another role uh, maybe that's why you know, who knows what role that could be maybe it's back to wide receivers coach uh, it, and then other changes Alex uh, Van Pelt out uh, just what do you make of these these this this fire sale this uh, relief of of these assistant coaches uh, and I mean starting with Dom Capers how do you view his reign and two who do you think who's the choice uh, in your opinion for defensive coordinator is it you know is it uh, Fangio from from the Bears yeah as as far as Capers goes um, it's it's such a, a, a strange up and down um, tenure that he's had in Green Bay because those first two years when he came in and, and switched to that three four this defense was unbelievable um i mean obviously a, a top five unit for those those first couple seasons and, and through the super bowl year and um you know he wrote a lot of that i think on the backs of a, a dominant pass rusher in clay matthews um, a dominant interior player in bj raji and a couple of dominant guys in the secondary in charles woodson and, and nick collins and when he suddenly didn't have those truly dominant players and it started when Collins got his uh, his neck injury um, I, I think that that was when things just kind of fell apart for him um, and so it, it, it definitely was time I mean I think I think we can all pretty much agree with that at this point when when you're basically last and third down defense and last in red zone defense um, that speaks more to coaching than anything else so um, as far as who who's going to replace him I think Fangio is, makes the most sense um, you're you're having a, a relatively similar scheme that, that Fangio runs. I mean, it's it's funny. Fangio was actually the defensive coordinator for Capers at both of Capers' head coaching stops. So clearly, there's going to be a lot of yeah in both Carolina and in Houston. Um, Fangio is the, the the coordinator. So obviously, there's going to be a lot of carryover. A lot of the terminology is going to be similar. Um, so you're not going to have to be teaching guys a, a brand new new defense. So that'll be interesting. Um, I, I would still be surprised if they end up um, promoting any of the, the guys that they're interviewing on the, that are still remaining in the staff. They've talked about Winston Moss, the linebacker coach, um, Darren Perry, the safeties coach, and then Joe Witt, the corners coach. Um, those three guys are getting interviews, but um, my gut just tells me I'd be surprised if any of them gets the job. The the one other name that I think is is kind of interesting out there um, is Paul Gunther from Cincinnati. Uh, he just, I think his contract just expired with the Bengals. Um, you might see him pop up a little bit for some head coaching jobs, but I could see maybe him being an, an interesting fit in Green Bay. He brings, um, you know, he he's, comes from more of a 4-3 background, even though, um, you know, the, 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 the lines of 3-4 versus 4-3 are getting pretty blurred. But um, I, I think that bringing a little more 4-3 concepts to this defense would be a good thing. Uh, I think they've got the personnel for it. And so um, that would be a name I'd, I'd watch as well. But I, I ultimately think Fangio is probably um, the, the most likely of the external candidates uh, if he doesn't end up 
um, staying in Chicago, I, I think he's a, a pretty decent bet to get the job. So, Tex, one of the things that um, you've heard people who have defended Don Capers, and obviously that uh, that list has gotten shorter and shorter over the last couple of years, <laughs> but they've said the, the same things you hear out there. Well, he's not the one going out there and playing the game. However, to, you spoke about red zone defense, third down defense, the lack of adjustments that I think he makes. But that mm-hmm. said, some of that was echoed by Clinton Haha Dix this week as well where he talked about, you know, uh, maybe it's a front office problem, you know, some locker room issues. I guess your overall, first of all, impressions of that, and I guess the follow-up to that is do some of his comments just echo uh, the fact that a change really needed to be made in this organization? It, it was actually funny listening to, to Clinton Dix's comments because he's talking so much about about the personnel and that, um, you know, that, that – how much he respected capers and his scheme and everything. And he's talking about how, you know, they've got these young undrafted guys uh, playing these, these big roles and how that's, that's kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, screwing over the defense. And then he goes on to list the names of some of the backup safeties that have played in green Bay guys like Jared Bush, Chris Banjo and Sean Richardson, but all those guys were undrafted too. So it just Mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And then you've also got, you know, Clinton Dix himself, who had probably the the most disappointing season of his career, certainly a big-time disappointment coming off his Pro Bowl last year. Um, so it, it, it's I, – I try not to, to read too much into into what he's saying. Um, there, there certainly have been, again, injuries and holes on the roster, but um, there, there's still talent there. I, I, I look more at um, – you know, at the way it was utilized, and then fundamentally, you know, th- there is an argument to be made for some more of these value-free agent signings. We saw a couple good ones this year: Jari Evans, Ahmad Brooks. Um, I think some of those yeah. paid off well, and I, I'd still like to see more of those moving forward. Um, but you can't put all of the blame necessarily on the personnel department. You can't put all of the blame on Capers either. But um, having having shakeups at both positions uh, at least is going to um, you know, make it interesting moving forward and, and at least give an opportunity for uh, for change for the better. And then, you know, kind of looking ahead, we're Tex Western wrapping up. We just got a couple more minutes with you. Uh, maybe a more broad question from my point of view and just um, the other coaching – like which other coaching search you – know, obviously the one in the NFC North too with the Bears is, is – or, or, uh, with the uh, yeah Bears, but also uh, the Lions are, are worth noting. Uh, but who you know who else? Like, what are the ones that you're really paying attention? Maybe the most fun searches that you've seen for the co- from the coaching searches so far. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you a couple of interesting names that I've been seeing thrown around. Um, the the Lions have interviewed Mike Vrabel, the former Patriots linebacker, for their head coaching job. Um, he's got just one year as a defensive coordinator in in Houston, um, but uh, he, he's an interesting name. Um, I mean, Winston Moss even um, even interviewed for that head coaching job in Detroit. I'm not sure how much real consideration he's going to get. Um, but then uh, I, I'm also very curious to see what happens in Chicago because if I'm, you know, if I'm the Bears front office, I'm looking for someone who can develop a quarterback to to bring Mitchell Trubisky along. Um, John DeFilippo has done great things with uh, Carson Wentz as his quarterbacks coach the last couple of years. It'd be a little bit unusual for a, a QB coach to go 
to skip over being a coordinator and go right to head coach, but that's happened occasionally before. Um, so that would be a name I'd, I'd watch there. And then, I mean, obviously I'm curious to see uh, what happens with Fangio if, if the new head coach in Chicago uh, ends up keeping him around. So it's certainly an interesting um, um, look. Uh, the other the other one that's interesting is Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. He's going to get a lot of looks um, all across the, the NFL. Uh, I think he's had three or four interviews for head coaching jobs. So I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up as a head coach uh, somewhere in this league by um, by the time you know the dust settles. So let me ask you one other question then, back, back and, and I guess one coaching search that we don't have to worry about apparently is Martin Lewis, who was fired three <laughs> weeks ago, but his face is, is out to be. But anyway, um, the the, the Alonzo Highsmith story, yeah. how much does that expose any dysfunction that might have been in the front office? How much of that might be sour grapes? And what's your take on some of the comments he made when he left the Packers to join John Dorsey's staff? Yeah, it's that's an interesting one. Um, I, I certainly think the the working relationship he had with Dorsey from their time together in Green Bay is is obviously a big factor there. Um, I, there were the comments about how you know he's he's kind of a a little more of a loose guy, a, a fun loving guy, and that's just kind of not how the Packers front office has operated. Um, so maybe there was some just just feeling that it wasn't a great fit anymore. Um, in in Green Bay for him. Uh, I also think just the fact that um, maybe he wasn't getting the the legitimate consideration for the GM job that he felt like he should, or or maybe he wasn't. Um, you know, he was seeing Wolf and Gutekunst get these promotions, and he was kind of sitting at that that same level for a few years, and and that 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 didn't sit well with him. I mean, he certainly got a. a a bigger title in Cleveland um, is going to have some more responsibility. He's, I mean, he's basically the second guy to Dorsey in that, that front office now. So I, I think it's more a, a function of, you know, maybe the fit wasn't just wasn't there anymore. And that, um, you know, he, he saw a better upward uh, progression uh, going to Cleveland than he did with staying in green Bay. Tex, as always, man, like we told you, we get you out of here. Uh, on time we're gonna do that my friend we appreciate you so much uh coming on what what can we before you go where can people find you again and, and what should, what's to come uh come up in the next week or two yeah you can get me at twitter uh at TexWestern. you can find the blog at acme packing co um acme packing company.com we're going to be breaking down the gm search obviously the the coaching staff search um that's that's obviously going to be our focus for the next couple weeks um uh, but once we once the dust kind of settles uh, keep an eye out as we'll we'll start up our uh, off-season roster uh, breakdown start looking at the free agents um and uh, the goal is still to uh to be at the combine again in indy this year so uh hopefully we'll look out for some uh, some live coverage from indianapolis uh, at the end of february Excellent. And on that note, guys, we're going to take care of our, take a break, take it home on our podcast. Big thanks to Tex. Uh, of course, uh, we got, of course, big thanks to Scotty, the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. Uh, for Jay Kokorowski, we'll talk to you hopefully uh, early, late this weekend or uh, this uh, coming up next week. Talking some Badgers, some Bucks, more on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Extravaganza.